What is Bugs Bunny's real name? Really? Yeah. And did you know there's an African country where you can share a hotel with a giraffe? <laughs> there is. We'll learn about it today. I did not know that. <laughs> Answers to those and other questions coming up in this episode of The Off-Ramp with Bob and Marsha Smith. Welcome to the off-ramp, a chance to slow down, steer clear of crazy, take a side road to sanity, and get some perspective on life. Well, Marsha, I don't know that either of our questions give you a perspective on life. Well, it's, well I what? guess it is, because I didn't know that that Bugs Bunny had a second name. That's right. It's perspective. It's, I guess it it's is. It's reality, Bob. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's reality. <laughs> That's all right. All right. It's, uh, yeah, It. Bugs Bunny is actually his nickname. His real full name is George Washington Bunny. That's George Washington <laughs> Bunny? According to Warner Brothers Animated Universe, he is the most popular of all their cartoon characters, and he made his first official appearance in 1940 in a production called A Wild Hare. Be it forever known, George Washington Bunny. <laughs> And no more information on that one, no, huh? that's just silly, I know. Oh, uh, gosh. It, that must be a genealogy that I, leads back to George Washington's I, I think, bunny. I think you're onto something there. <laughs> okay, now, nah, this is not about bunnies. It's about giraffes. Did you know that there's an African country where you can share a hotel with giraffes? Uh, tell me about it. It's got to have really tall ceilings. Uh, yes, it's in Kenya. It's called Giraffe Manor, and it's outside of Nairobi, Kenya. It doubles as a 140-acre sanctuary for endangered Rothschild giraffes. So the hotel features tall, wide windows welcoming giraffes to peek their long necks inside so hotel guests can feed them treats of dried grass pellets. Isn't that interesting? Jeez. And it's apparently this is a very uh, uh, a species in great danger. There are fewer than 2,500 Rothschild giraffes remaining in the world. Really? I never heard of them. Rothschild? How are they different from other giraffes? Don't know. They're the Rothschilds. So oh, uh, sounds like they a... They use silver spoons. Okay. <laughs> all right. Didn't know that. But yeah, see, it's all part of the glam vacations in that, the, that's in the right. jungle, huh? It is. It's a yeah. glamorous vacation, yeah. God, what else? Yes, our hotel has giraffes in it. I mean, how bizarre. Well, you know, you're at least on the second floor. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you had that thing on George Washington Bunny. I yeah. have a, a similar entertainment question. What famous rock musician was born during an air raid and his mother named him after the country's leader? David Bowie? It's that generation, yeah. But no, not David Bowie. Um, this guy's band is in the news again this year because they're releasing yet another boxed set. <laughs> Which you'll buy. Uh, yes, I will. <laughs> okay, it was John Lennon. John, oh, John really? W. Lennon. Did yeah, you know but... his middle name was Winston? Really? Yeah. No, I did not know that. For the cigarette, obviously. No, no, no. 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 Oh, For... Churchill. Yes. Oh. He was born in Liverpool <laughs> on October 9th, 1940 during a Nazi air raid. And his patriotic mother decided to name her child John Winston Lennon after the British Prime Minister Sir Winston Churchill. I'll be darned. Yeah. Okay. That's an interesting a little fact toyed on John Lennon, isn't it? Who yes, knows? it is. Not many people know that. Okay, Bob, I bet you not many people know the answer to this. 
There are 12 branches of the U.S. military. 12? Yeah. you got to count the reserves. Oh, okay. But uh, see how many you can name. Is the National Guard in there? Yes. Okay, National Guard. Well, which, uh, which National Guard? They all... Every state has a National Guard. No, but there's the Army Oh, National okay, Guard. Army National Guard. Correct. The Army, the Correct. Navy, the Marines, the Coast Guard. Let's see, that's seven... So there's four more? Or no, there's more than that. It's five more. Okay, no, what? I'll just name them all in order here, okay? Okay, yeah. Army, Army Reserve, Army National Guard, Marine Corps, Marine Corps Reserve, Navy, Navy Reserve, Air Force, Air Force Reserve, Air National Guard, Space Force. Forgot that one, didn't you? Oh, yeah, that's the new one. And the Coast Guard and the Coast Guard Reserve adds up to 12. That sounds like a family with uh, a lot of names and a lot of juniors after them, you know? Yeah, yeah, it does. <laughs> can, can you name the two elite forces in the U.S. military? The two elite forces? Yeah, there are two ultra-elite. Oh, geez. I was okay. thinking of Green Berets. That well, was elite. Okay, and... Green Berets, there's, there's several. I'll name them. But okay. first tell me who are the most elite considered the most seal, highly trained seal teams one in particular oh a <laughs> uh, seal team is it six yeah okay where did you hear that that was in the news was it okay yeah seal team six yes and the other one is don't know delta force oh okay okay no they're highly trained in fact those uh navy seals seal team six before deployment bob they have to take an extra training of 30 months Two, wow. Two and a half years. That's substantial. Yes. And the other special forces, you're right, Army Green Beret, Army Night Stalkers, and Marine Recon and Special Operations. Ooh, I wouldn't want the Army Night Stalkers after me. <laughs> I know. That sounds scary. It does. Okay, Lerner and Lowe, they were two of the greatest songwriting teams in music and Broadway at one point. Mm -hmm. They did uh, My Fair Lady, Camelot, uh, these light, fun songs and so forth. What did these two guys have in common? In their past, uh, <laughs> I don't know. They were both. Uh, One was. They were both marching band directors. No, no, they were both boxers. Really? In fact, Alan Lerner boxed at Harvard, and he lost the sight of one eye. So these guys were not not genteel yeah. musicians, you yeah. know. Yeah, I wonder if they boxed each other. In a way, they probably did over the years. <laughs> yeah, I'll bet they did. Okay, let's get serious. Oh, sorry. Name the seven dwarfs. What? <laughs> this is a serious show. It is. Okay, let me try. All right. I uh, see. There's a sneezy, grumpy, sleepy. Yeah. Doc. Yeah. Uh, stinky. I don't know. <laughs> what What were the other ones? Here, let me. Okay. Uh, you're missing three. Okay. Okay. There's bashful. Okay. And one who's not too smart. That's dopey. Dopey. And then who's really laughing a lot? Laffy. Happy. Happy. Okay. <laughs> Bashful, Doc, Dopey, Grumpy, Happy, Sleepy, and Sneezy. All right. Thank you. You failed, but move on. Continuing <laughs> in the serious vein of entertainment questions, <laughs> what great rock and roller did Liberace inspire? Elton John. That's a perfect guess, and it's wrong. Thank but perfect. I have to give <laughs> you that one. Perfectly wrong. Perfectly wrong. It was Elvis. No kidding. Yeah. 
I should have known that. Elvis's music comes directly from Liberace's. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, he didn't inspire Elvis musically, but he did give the king of rock and roll the idea for his fashion wardrobe after Elvis saw Liberace in a gold lame costume in his Las Vegas act. Elvis adopted the idea, and in his next movie, Elvis had a similar outfit. I'll be darned. <laughs> that, I do remember him have yeah, that Gold LeMay thing. I had an album of his where he That's wore right. his Gold LeMay. I never thought of Liberace. Wasn't that the album that said Which my parents uh, were watching in the other room while I played the Gold LeMay Elvis. Interesting. The Gold LeMay Elvis album, it said, 100 million fans can't be wrong. <laughs> remember that? <laughs> no, I don't. That, that's what it said on the cover. Really? Something right. like that, yeah. Okay, what's the oldest event in recorded history that can be dated to the exact day? Now, this comes from Isaac Asimov's Book of Facts. And Isaac Asimov was a great science fiction writer, and he did all kinds of research. And this book has all kinds of interesting facts. So what is the oldest event in recorded history that can be dated to the exact day and year? Should I know this? No. Oh, okay, then tell me. (laughs) (laughs) It was the day that a war was ended by a solar eclipse a long time ago. The armies of Lydia and Medea were readying for battle in Asia Minor when the eclipse occurred. That solar event apparently convinced the two nations to sign a peace treaty. You know, they see the sun go away. Oh, they think it's the end of the world? Let's just, uh, yeah, God doesn't want us to do this. (laughs) So, uh, and modern astronomers helped historians to fix that exact date of that solar eclipse and that historical event as May 28, 585 B.C., Wow. That is the oldest event in recorded history that can be dated to an exact date. Okay, I'm just going to do three quickies. It's did you know. Mm -hmm. Did you know there have been no new animals domesticated in over 4,000 years? Really? Yeah. Did you know the NFL used the skin of roughly 3,000 head of cattle to supply enough leather for a one-year supply of footballs? And lastly, a quickie, did you know... Dogs communicate with roughly 10 different vocal sounds. Really? Yeah. While cats use over 100. Oh. <laughs> Talk to our kids about that. They probably yeah. say oh that's true. Oh, my God. You can hear their cats screaming in Every the little nuance of a cat. Yeah. From arrogant to arrogant. Yeah. <laughs> to really arrogant. To very arrogant. Oh, God. Okay, go ahead. Those are my little quickies. Those are quick. Mm-hmm. Well, and then this is a very in-depth question. Again, another serious Question of national and international importance. What famous sandwich was invented to support <laughs> striking streetcar workers? The the poor boy. That's right. Ta-da! How did you know that? I didn't. I was just trying to put two and two together. I was thinking of a hoagie or something, but another name for some of those things. It's actually the poor boy. Po boy. I'm sorry. Po apostrophe. But yes, the poor boy. Kind of interesting. It's uh, from New Orleans. It basically is French bread that's typically filled with either roast beef or fried seafood, but there are a lot of variations. There are competing stories on uh, how it happened, but the most widely accepted version credits Clovis and Benny Martin for inventing the sandwich at their restaurant on St. Claude Avenue in 1929. And at the time, streetcar drivers were on strike, so the brothers supported their cause by making a cheap sandwich of gravy and spare bits of roast beef on French bread. And as the story goes... The sandwich quickly became popular, and work, when workers came by the restaurant to order one, the cooks would yell out, here comes another poor boy. I'll and be darned. That inspired the uh, sandwich's name. You still see them on menus. Yeah. Called the poor bo- po boys. I want to 
credit traveltrivia.com with that because uh, that was the wording. That whole thing I read there was from the Travel Trivia website. Before we go to break, can I ask you this? No. Why do we call... <laughs> yes, well, of course. That's the point of the show, Bob. What? Going okay. to break? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, it's like recess is the importance of school. Why do we say someone has been fired when he or she is forced out of a job? We know what that's like, don't we? <laughs> okay. Well, it's because you feel like you've been set on fire uh-huh. uh, and disposed of. But that's a good question. Why is it fired? Fired. I don't know. What is it? It has medieval Celtic origins, the term. Uh, you've been fired. In those days, in the good old days, if a clan leader wanted to get rid of a petty criminal without killing him, or if someone was found guilty of stealing from his employer, especially from the mines, he was taken to his home along with all his tools and placed inside, after which the house was set on fire. Oh, dear God. <laughs> you said they did. They wanted to get rid of him without killing him. Well, well that's that, the same thing, They isn't just it? burned him. But he could escape. Uh, but if he did escape, and they rarely did, he was banished from the clan. Oh, yeah, geez. they just set him in the house on fire. They didn't wow. put him on fire, but That is house. really cruel. Yes, it is. So that's, Oh, my. My you goodness. didn't want to mess with those guys. jeez. Huh. You watched Happy Days, didn't you, Bob? Yes. What was the name of the garage where the Fonz worked? The garage? God, I know Arnold's was the name of the... Uh, Isn't that the soda fountain or yeah, something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. What was it? It was Bronco's Auto Repair, originally known as Otto's Auto Orphanage. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that? No, I, I don't. don't. Remember no, that. I don't. Otto's, or you got to be a real uh, happy days kind of person to know that. I think. Okay, why will eating ice cream make you hotter than not eating ice cream? Really, hot? Hotter. Hotter. Well, it's a technicality. Okay. All right. You want to know what the answer is? Well, you assume I don't know it. Oh, okay. Tell me the answer. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> okay. In the long run, you'll be hotter if you eat ice cream than you will if you refrain from eating it because the ice cream has a psychological cooling effect the moment you eat it, but it's loaded with calories. Your body will have to take care of all those calories, has to burn off those calories, and that will give you that much more heat than if you hadn't eaten the ice cream. Well, that sounds pretty dubious to me, but... Yeah, let's have some. <laughs> let's go have some right it now. It doesn't discourage let's me. Let's take a break. Okay, coming up, why two state nicknames are no longer appropriate. Oh, really? Okay. You're listening to The Off-Ramp with Bob. And Marsha. Smith. You're listening to The Off-Ramp with Bob and Marsha Smith. We're back. Marsha, every state has a nickname, but two states' nicknames don't apply anymore. Alabama's and Florida's. Can you tell me why? They had nicknames? Yeah, they had nicknames. Every state has a nickname. Well, wasn't Florida the... I'll tell you the nicknames. Yeah. Alabama is the cotton state. Okay. Florida is the sunshine state. Right. Why are those not appropriate now or not appropriate? Are they offending somebody? Is there a microaggression in those models? Against cotton? No. Yes, and and the sunshine. The bull weevil is upset. (laughs) No, 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 that's not it. No, okay, tell me. Uh, One of uh, the main crops, of course, in Alabama was cotton, and it was in the cotton belt, so they called them the cotton state. But it wasn't the top producer of cotton at the time, and it's still not the top producer of cotton today. Oh. In 2016, Alabama ranked behind Texas, Georgia, Mississippi, and Arkansas in cotton production. 
upland cotton, which accounts for 97% of all U.S. cotton. So they're like, uh, they're fifth, but they call themselves the cotton state. Likewise, the sunshine state. Florida is yeah. not the sunniest state in the United States. California is. Well. Or Hawaii. Well. Well. I'll tell you the states. Okay. Nine other states outrank it. Really? Nine other states are sunnier than Florida. Arizona, New Mexico, Nevada, Texas, California, Colorado, Oklahoma, Kansas, and Utah all have more average annual sunshine. How many states was that? Nine. Nine. Wow. So there are 10 states that kind of are the sunniest. Of course, uh, the Sunshine State was adopted as a tourism slogan for yeah, the state. They don't have to get rid of it. It's still sunny. It doesn't have to mean the sunshine. But as anybody who's traveled there during the summer can point out, it rains just about every day, but only for a brief period. It's like yeah, those tropical yeah. Yeah, climates, you know. Yeah, Yeah. Huh. Interesting, though. Okay, Bob. Here's one more word origin. I like those. Okay. When someone is humiliated, we say uh, they were forced to eat crow. Mm -hmm. Where does that expression come from? Was there a time when crow was considered like, uh, and maybe it still is, I don't know, uh, a distasteful plate or something maybe only very poor people ate or maybe something people ate in prisons? Well, you're not too far away. Oh, thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. The expression to eat Crow came from an incident during the War of 1812 when the Americans invaded Canada. A hungry New England soldier who strayed across enemy lines had shot a crow for food when he was discovered by an unarmed British officer who managed to get hold of the American's rifle by pretending to admire it. How, how stupid is that, kid? <laughs> Let me look at your rifle, <laughs> yeah. enemy. The soldier then turned the weapon on the young man and forced him to eat part of the crow raw before oh. letting him go. Oh, dear. So he, was, uh, he lied to him, and then he forced him to eat a little bit of that crow raw. Um, okay, Marcia, uh, two more state names, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, why is North Carolina called the Tar Heel State? Yeah, I don't get it. You're not going to even give me any No, idea? it makes no sense to me. Okay, well, sometime between 1720 and 1870, thanks to the abundance of pine forests around the state, North Carolina was one of the largest producers of shipbuilding materials like pitch, resin, turpentine, and tar. All that stuff came from the pine trees. And uh, why it's called the Tar Heel State, they don't know for sure. But it uh, supposedly was an exchange between Civil War soldiers during a fierce battle when one of them mocked them saying they should stick tar on their heels for the next battle because they, uh, who knows. Oh, (laughs) okay. But it all relates to the tar. Fascinating. Oh, come on. (laughs) Who introduced, Bob, who first introduced the idea of daylight savings time and why? That wasn't Smithson, was it, of the Smithsonian? Ah, no. Okay, who was it? Good old Ben Franklin. Oh, no kidding. In addition to bifocals, Franklin stoves, and expanding the understanding of electricity, in 1784, Franklin sent a letter to a Paris newspaper saying that if we made people rise and go to bed earlier, that we would save money on candles and lamps. That's the first time that notion was put out there. To change the time based on the season. Yeah, he just said if we made people go to bed earlier. Ben was worried about way too many things. He had a lot going on. (laughs) And it wasn't until World War II that FDR imposed daylight saving time to do just that, conserve fuel 
for the war effort. Oh, I always thought it was about farming or something. Yeah, I like did that. too. I'm always oh, it's for the farmers to get up earlier, but it's not. And as you know, the history of Standard Time in the U.S. began because of what? You know this because we talked about it. Oh, once. the railroads. That's right. Yeah, because they were shipping things and sending things across country, and yeah. you can't have a different time in each town. That's right. In 1883, U.S. and Canadian railroads instituted standard time in time zones for the sake of running the railroad. That conference was actually held in Chicago. I don't know if you remember this, but we were walking down near the financial district once, and there's a plaque uh, down there that states on this date, this conference was held to oh, yeah, establish yeah. time zones, oh. you know, the first in the world. Yeah. Kind of interesting, I think. Yeah. Okay, I've got more states' names. Okay. For instance, the Beehive State. What state is the Beehive State? Oh, golly. Is it in the... Is it... It's in the West. Oh, it is. I was going to say... <laughs> I thought it was the in the Beehive East. State. Okay. Out oh, in the oh, desert. In the t- I wasn't going to say a desert state either. Okay, I'm Okay, Nevada. You. Nearby... Utah. Ah. You'd think the beehive state would be the leader in honey production, but Utah actually ranks 24th in the nation. So where did the name come from? Where, Bob? It came from 1847 when the Mormons arrived. They adopted the beehive as an emblem of their new community because it represented hard work and industry. Now, the state motto is industry, but oh, their state it? symbol is the beehive. Oh, I'll be there. They're just buzzing <laughs> away. Yeah, yeah. Hey, who holds in the United States the longest-running record for game show host um well that was alex trebek wasn't it no okay no who pat sajak oh no kidding total of 39 years right now as host of wheel of fortune he and vanna white the lovely lovely vanna white the lovely both began their career together in 1982 i didn't know that yeah so it's been almost 40 years they they but they actually took over that show from I forgot this name completely. Chuck Woolery. Oh, yeah, Chuck Woolery. And Susan Stafford. So that's how long ago old Chuck was doing that show. You know, it's funny. That show and Jeopardy and The Price is Right, they've just been with American culture. Forever. Forever. I don't remember not being around. But I don't think of them as being old or anything. The questions they ask and everything, it's all interesting stuff. Sajak said something like... uh, he didn't want to be on so long that people would tune in and say, what happened to him? <laughs> uh, right now, he and Vanna have enough injections that it's not too noticeable. Oh, dear. That's oh. a terrible thing to well, say. Well, you know, it's showbiz. Okay, Marcia, and here's something I never would have thought of, but I kind of found it interesting, okay? What remote island produces the curling stones used in the Olympic Games? I'll well, give you four choices here. Nihau in Hawaii. Crete in Greece, Elza Craig in Scotland, and Baffin Island in Canada. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The curling stones. Yes, I'll say Crete. I would have thought that too, because of the Olympics. No, actually, it's uh, it's Elza Craig in Scotland. Ah. It's a tiny, uninhabited island off of Scotland's west coast, whose name means fairy rock in Gaelic. Fairy rock? Why? Well, because the whole island is made up of the remains of an extinct volcano, and the microgranite stone there is notable for its very tight molecular structure. It's durable and waterproof. And for more than a century, Elsa Craig granite has been used to make most of the world's curling stones, including those used in the Olympics. Now, I said it's an uninhabited island. Yeah. There's no good soil, no fresh water, but over the centuries... 
That little island has been useful to mankind. It served as a base for Roman camps. Really? Yeah. That's about the farthest reaches of the Roman Empire. It's just on the edge of the Atlantic Ocean there. And uh, it was a safe haven from pirates and smugglers and was a stopover for travelers sailing from Glasgow to Belfast. <laughs> okay. I'm going to wrap it up with two two little fun things. Okay. I know you like the Everly Brothers, God Rest Their Souls. Am I right about that? Don and Phil are both gone. Okay. Yeah. So remember their song, Wake Up, Little Susie, Wake Up? Mm-hmm. Well, what time was it? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't it like four in the morning? Very or good. Like? You got it. Four a.m. Yeah, they woke up and there's yeah. nobody at the drive-in, yeah. and yeah. oh my and god, that really happened to me. Oh, it, did it? Yeah, yeah. It was not. good. You were on a date and that happened. Yeah, we fell asleep, and oh, you know, yeah. my that's parents. That's the old story. Did, yeah, I know, but it really happened. Oh come on, Marsh! You expect everybody <laughs> listening to well, believe that? The police woke us up. <gasps> yeah. Oh. That was yeah, but it was all well and good. It wasn't. Uh, not Time far. to go home, kids. <laughs> yeah, my, my parents didn't buy that at all, but it was true. Okay, and lastly, Bob, what is the difference between a nook and a cranny? <laughs> <laughs> That's right, because everybody talks about nooks, nooks and, and crannies. crannies. Yeah, I'm going to clean every nook and cranny of this house. I have no idea. Well, it's not that surprising. Okay. A nook is a corner and a cranny is a crack. A nook is a corner, uh-huh. and a cranny is a crack. I yeah. feel like I, there's something else coming to this, and no, I, I have no. to know these things. So why would you clean cracks? Because <laughs> things can get in cracks. Okay, Marcia. Oh, yeah. Well, that's true, Bob. Thank you for that. I have two more questions okay. here, okay? What do newborn elephants do for comfort? <laughs> Babies well, suck their thumbs. What do newborn elephants do? Well, do they do what most baby animal babies do, too? They they. Get milk from their moms? No, no, no that's comfort I'm talking. Put the, the trunks in their mouth? They suck their trunks. Yeah. <laughs> newborn newborn elephants suck their trunks. So I got it right. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, they put their trunk in their mouth, yeah. Okay, Come now, on. the FBI called Ted Krasinski the Unabomber. Yes. Why did they call him the Unabomber? Where did that name come from? Unabomber. As, as opposed to the duo bomber. Not uni. Oh, the uni. I never knew this, and it makes sense. Uh, his early mail bombs were sent to universities. Oh, really? UN and airlines. A. So they coined the name the Unabomber. We're dealing with a Unabomber here. They didn't know his name at the time. Yeah. UNA bomber. UN being universities, A being airlines, bomber. Oh. And we're in November. The Thanksgiving is coming up. The pilgrims will come to mind. And let's all remember (laughs) the reason they landed at Plymouth Rock. Because, and this is a quote from one of the journals, we could not now take time for further search or consideration, our victuals being much spent, especially our beer. Oh, dear. Yeah, I was going to say, I thought they went for, you know, um, McDonald's takeout, but it was beer. They okay. needed beer because that was the only uh, safe yeah. water they had to they drink. They could drink. Couldn't drink sure. from the ocean. No. And they, they had to find something because their beer was running out. <laughs> And just a factoid, Marsh, you always like to throw out factoids. Uh huh. Jim Henson made his first Kermit puppet using his mother's old coat and two halves of a ping pong ball. Correct. That shows you that if you've got creativity, <laughs> there's always a way to make something that, I mean, who knew that was going to turn into what it did? No. His puppetry. And one of our favorite characters. Yeah. Two frog. halves of a ping pong ball and his mom's old coat. And that was the original <laughs> Kermit. Kermit the Frog. Hey. Uh. 
Yeah, I'm right here. Kermy, Kermy, Kermy. I can't do Miss Piggy. You can do Miss Piggy. Do it. Kermy. <laughs> okay, Kermit. Okay, Kermit. Wrap it up. Okay, it's time to go, everyone. We'll see you next week here on The Off-Ramp. With Kermit and Marsha Smith. No. <laughs> this is Bob Smith. I'm Marsha Smith. Join us next time when we return on The, the Off-Ramp. Ramp. The Off-Ramp is produced in association with CPL Radio Online and the Cedarbrook Public Library, Cedarbrook, Wisconsin.